really speaking to me about this for about three days now, about what friends are supposed to look like and um, what it is to walk with God as him being your friend. And a lot of the times we see God as um, sometimes as something inaccessible, some, someone far away, um, someone that we can't um, be intimate with sometimes. Um, when you first start your walk with God, that's how you begin sometimes not understanding that uh, really he is there to be our friend. And um, recently the Lord has taken me through some situations of my own personal life um, to teach me and show me that he's looking for his friends right now. And that's what he was telling me this morning. He's like, I'm, I'm looking for those that will partner with me and be my friend this season. And a lot of the times we come to him um, begging him for things, asking him for things. And God's like, you know, um, we're in a season right now where we need friends in our lives. And, you know, when you're going through things in your life, you know who your true friends are because those are the ones that show up for you when you're um, going through a warfare or battle or you're going through something. They're the ones that show up for you and stand beside you and war with you. And I'm so thankful for this house, and I'm very thankful for people that have been in prayer and intercession and in warfare for us, for my family, and for this house. Because um, when the head of the house gets attacked, it's not an attack on that person. It's an, it's an attack on the ministry. And when our, our vehicle broke, the Lord told me that. He says, the hit's coming because your vehicle represents your ministry. The hit's coming to, to hit the ministry. And um, I knew why, because the devil was mad because of everything we had been doing. Like Pete was saying, the bam, bam, bams, bams, bams. And a lot of things happened very, very fast of acceleration that it kind of, you know, messed up the devil and made him angry and mad because he didn't know what was going on in the spirit of God. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, here we are, he, you know, my husband went through this situation of being sick and, um, and we finally ended up taking him to the hospital and, um, I feel bad for people that have to go to the hospital right now. I really, really do. I have been on my knees and praying for people, uh, everywhere who've had to deal with these bad situations of the hospitals and these people because of the treatment that is given to you when you're in that situation. And um, it's been really sad in my heart to see that. And um, I'll speak for, uh, for us, you know, when, when they came in and they gave us diagnosis of things, um, it was like I knew it was full-on spiritual warfare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, I felt it walk in the door. And I share this because we have a testimony of the victory in it. I'm not sharing it to give glory to the enemy. I'm sharing it because God has the glory of the breakthrough that came through at the end of it all. And, um, and so <laughs> um, they, they pressure you to make very drastic decisions in the process of this. And uh, the Lord got in my face that what that moment. And he said, he said, you know, the, the devil's always been after to kill somebody. Right. When you're doing the things of God, he's after you to kill you, to take you out because he doesn't like you. Right. 
And he started showing me how this time was not different than any other time that the devil tried to take my husband out. And if you know his testimony about him um, coming through from a shot of an AK-47, if you know his testimony of uh, the Lord saving him from so many other things, the Lord just told me, he's like, this is no different than any other time. You treat it as you would any other situation you dealt with in the past with warfaring for him. And, um, and, I, and I just, I share that because the Lord was just so uh, gracious. And I remember crying out that night on our drive home. And I said, God, I need, I need a friend right now. When you're going through something very difficult, you need a friend that you can trust, that you can pick up the phone and you can call and share something with, that you can trust them. You can trust that there's not going to be no judgment. You can trust that there's not going to be anything that they look at you differently for, but they're, they're going to be there for you and by your side. And the Lord was beginning to tell me, he's like, I'm here and I'm your friend. I'm here and I'm your friend. So your cry that you're crying out, I'm going to hear your prayer. You know, I grew up Catholic and, and we would say in this, the priest would say something and then he would say, we would say as a congregation, Lord, hear my prayer. And I just kept going through this in my mind of something that I was taught growing up. It's like, Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, hear my prayer. And I would declare something and then I would, and then I would hear the Lord tell me, okay, now say, Lord, hear my prayer. And I really believe right now as the body of Christ, people everywhere are saying, Lord, hear my prayer. Your, your, your cry is going to be different than my cry. Your situation is going to be different than my situation, but there still is a Lord hear my prayer. And, um, and as we're going through this situation, um, <laughs> the Lord literally, you know, you know that the things that we experience in our life, um, they're to make us stronger. They're not to make us weaker or feel defeated. You know, the worst things in our life are what strengthen us. And we think that we give the, the enemy so much credit. But the Lord was like telling me, he says, you know, I want you to get the way you used to get when you were a young girl. When you were very stubborn and you would not let anybody tell you what to do. <laughs> and I need you to buck up right now. <laughs> like the way that you would buck up to people and not let them tell you any different. And I'm like, what is he, why is he telling me all this? Well, the staff came in and they wanted me to do something that I wasn't in agreement with. And I knew at that moment, the spirit of God was literally directing me on what to say. And I sat there and I said, no, we will not do this. And we are leaving. <laughs> and when I said that, I just felt like the Lord was reminding me of of how we should be in this in the spirit how we should be with the lord um that no matter how um that we have rights in the spirit we have rights in the spirit and i've been telling people that you have rights in the spirit now in the natural things are going on that are trying to rob our rights right now but we have authority rights in the spirit that no man can take away from us 
And the Lord began to show me about authority in this moment. And he says, you know, that stubbornness that um, I will take, I won't take no for an answer kind of person that I created you to be is still there inside of you. And right now I need that person to rise up this season. And I started to discover, you know, there's many aspects of God. There's many uh, different parts of the Lord right now that we have access to, whether it be a, a healing or, or it be strategy or direction. Like everything is in Captain God. Everything is wrapped in him. So, I, I, you know, when I went through the situation, I said, man, I just really need, I need a friend. And, you know, that's the one thing that... I miss about not having my mom and my dad anymore in my life is I can't pick up the phone to call them because they would be the first ones who I would call to say, hey, what do I do in this situation? And they would give me counsel and they would tell me, no, that's not okay. Oh, no, no, this is what you have to do. And so, um, so the Lord tells me, he's like, you know, I'm your friend right now and you're going to call out to me now. And being a friend of God, is something that I've had to walk with him through since I first came to know the Lord. Because when I first came to know the Lord, let me tell you, there was some major warfare over our, over our destinies. Um, there was a, a warfare over my husband's destiny. There was warfare over my destiny. Um, there's things that had to change in our lives over our destiny to begin to uh, push us in a path of where God wanted to take us. And, and the Lord's been showing me that lately, that right now the body of Christ, um, they're being pushed to get back on that path of what he has for them, but they're going through the power struggle right now. And, um, and, and they're, they're warfaring, you know, they're warfaring the very thing that's trying to change them as being a, a, of the, a person of God that God created them to be. There's a warfare going on. And um, he started showing me how, um, how, you know, at some point you have to trust him as your friend. And you have to say, you know what, I don't want to war against you. I don't want to fight with you. I just want to talk to you like you're my best friend. I don't want to fight the very thing that you're even trying to change inside me. And I think during the process, the Lord was reminding me, hey, there's something inside of you that you shut down that I put on inside of you on purpose. And it was a perseverance person that God had put inside of me that, um, that I never took no for an answer. My parent, my dad had a hard time with me not receiving no. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and he had Spanish words to tell me because I would never take his no for an answer. <laughs> I would go to him and ask, ask him for something. He would say no. And then I'd go five minutes later and ask for him again. And he would say no. And until so finally he got tired of me asking and he's like, okay, I'm just going to give it to you. You know, and that was my relationship with my dad. But see, you know, it was so good because the Lord was teaching me that um, this is how he wants to be with us, right. that we keep coming to him for everything. It's no different how he wants us to be with him. And so we're going through this warfare. We're going through this spiritual battle. And I'm like, you know, um, one night I was up late watching TV and the movie War Horse came on. And if anybody knows me, it's like my favorite movie. Like, I love that movie. It makes me cry every time I see it. 
And it's about this horse who's a war horse. And this horse never gives up. Like this horse goes through crazy, crazy things in his life. But at the end, he never forgets the voice of his master. And when he hears the voice of his master, he comes to that person who he remembers years before that he was pulled away from. And, um, and the Lord was just telling me that right now he's looking for the war horses. I think about four or five months ago, I had an experience with the Lord where I had um, an open vision of horses all running together. And they were all different colors, and they were all different statures, and they looked all differently. And as I'm watching the horses run by me, I, I knew that it was, it was the run um, of, the, of us as war horses for the Lord, that nothing would stop us from running. Uh, nothing would stop our steps from going forward. And so um, <laughs> he's looking for the war horses right now. And he's like, okay, are you going to stand your ground? Are you going to not give up and persevere into the very thing that I have for you? You know, some things are worth fighting for. And your purpose and your destiny are, is one of those things that is worth fighting for. It's worth uh, standing your ground. It's worth persevering through all the mess and all the junk and all the trash and all that stuff. It's worth pursuing God in such a way that you push through, through all that mess that you've had in your life to get to where God wanted you to always be from the very beginning. And um, I'm going through this and we're walking one day, me and my son, in the store and, you know, I'm just trying to get my husband better. I'm not looking, you know, I'm not praying. I'm not, I'm just trying to get him everything he needs in the natural. And all of a sudden we see these two cups and on the two cups, both of the cups say, make today count. And um, people that have been with us from the very beginning know that make today count is a huge thing in our family. And the reason why it's huge, because when we both lost our parents back to back, the Lord sent us back to Ohio with the word uh, from the Lord saying to make every day count because it mattered to him of the sacrifice of time that we didn't have with our parents because we were doing his work. And, um, and, it, and it was so good because I knew it was the Lord speaking to me. Why? Because there was two of them, which meant the double to me. Um, the, the, the make today count means like, come on, keep persevering, keep moving forward. This too shall pass. And, um, <laughs> and I, I, just, I, I was just like floored because I knew that the Lord was telling me, um, hey, I'm with you. Just keep moving forward. You know, through this whole process, you know, um, Friends mean different things to different people. And I've come to discover that. Um, my view of a friend is going to look different than somebody's view of a friend. And what creates what a friend looks like is our experiences with friends. We've had friends that sometimes are not so good of a friend. Um, they, they, <laughs> they don't do very nice things to us sometimes. Sometimes we've been burnt by our friends. Sometimes uh, we've been treated badly by some of the people we've considered to be our friends. So uh, we live cautiously in our lives because of those things that we've experienced with people that have come in our lives. And uh, one of my friends, she made this post the other day, and it was so good. I really took heed to it. 
And um, this friend of mine that I had, I've known her since like the, I always say the gangster years, you know? Like we went through some stuff together, me and her, and the ride or die, you know? And uh, <laughs> she had the same situation with her now husband, who's now a pastor, they're pastors now. Um, she had the same situations happen to her of the upbringing with the whole gang thing, and they have a, an amazing testimony. But I took heed to what she put because she says, you know, I never knew what it was like to have friends. And she says, the Lord is really teaching me to open my heart to begin to have friends again in my life. And I never experienced through the, through the eyes of the Lord, through the, through the things of the Lord, because the mindset of how the bringing up of that whole situation back then was like, you were always, somebody was out to get you. <laughs> somebody was always out to get you. And you had to be very careful and cover your back with people because you didn't know if their motive or agenda was for you or for themselves. That's the way that that whole lifestyle was. And so um, now we bring it to the things of the Lord and we're like, you know, sometimes it's kind of a little similar sometimes and we have to pray for that, not to be in the church and in our lives. But I'm telling you, when she posted that, it spoke volumes to me because it helped me to understand that a friend doesn't look the same to everybody. And I started asking the Lord, what is what does a friend look like to you, God? Like what what? What, what does a friend look to you in your, in your eyes? What, what does friendship look like to you? And, um, you know, a friend loves at all times. Right. He loves at all times. A brother's born for a, t for, for a time of adversity. When you're going through things and you're dealing with things, that's when your friend loves at all times to love you no matter what. And in John 15, 12 through 13, it says, my command is to, is this, is to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Um, I think that's one thing that um, <laughs> it's sad to say because it's, it was corrupted. But that is one thing that even the lifestyle my husband had at one time was that they were willing to lay each other's selves down for one another. And I think that now that was the, the, the corruptedness of it was that. But in the things of God, when you shift it to the things of God, you understand a different meaning. See, the things that we were shown growing up and the things that we've experienced in our life were so we could learn from them. And we're supposed to bring those, some of those things into the kingdom of God. It makes my heart sad when I see somebody who uh, was real, like, <laughs> authoritative figure with boldness and the things for the things of the world, and they come into the things of, the, of, of God, into the church, and all of a sudden, they're these, like, quiet people. And I'm like, wow, like, like, you take what you learned in that and you bring it into the kingdom of God because that's the very thing you were called to be all the time. And so um, to lay oneself, uh, to lay one's life for your friends is a big deal. And I think a lot of people right now have a hard time with that because they're all about themselves. And that's not how we were created to function, being a friend and having friends in our life is that we would lay ourselves down for one another. Um, I remember years ago, one of my leaders, <laughs> they demonstrated what a friend looked like to create a river. And they said, you know, God's looking for those that will be laid down lovers. 
And I remember them getting <laughs> different people. I don't even remember this, Pete. But they started getting different people to lay one's life down for one another. And as they laid their lives down for one another, it created a river. It created a river bank. And the river bank is what came to hold the river of the Lord that he was pouring into that place. And it's a very powerful thing, if you think about it, to lay yourself down for someone. Um, John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you my friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Everything he heard from his father, he's made known to us as us being his friends, that we have access to that friendship, that the very thing his father spoke to him, he has spoken to us now and he has given it to us. So there's no difference there um, of relationship of what he had with the father and then our relationship now with him with Jesus and Holy Spirit. We have access to all of it. Um, James 2.23, and scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. You have to believe that he wants to be your friend. In your mind, you have to put that embedded in your mind that he wants to be your friend. And it was counted to him as righteousness. See, that was one thing Abraham understood was righteousness, that it's not something we can make happen. Our righteousness comes from what God did on the cross for us. And then it says that Abraham was known as the friend of God. If Abraham could know God as his friend with the law, that now we come in as the new creation of righteousness through the cross, then we should have a greater understanding of friendship and the meaning of friendship with the Lord and him walking with us and a greater magnitude than even they could have walked. There's such an increase in that. Job had breakthrough. You know, everybody knows the story of Job, right? And all the struggles he went through and the warfare he went through and the stretching and the pulling and, and the maturing he went through with the Lord. And then it says that he had breakthrough in Job 42.10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes, giving him twice as much as before. When he prayed for his friends, this is all what a friendship looks like. When you pray for your friends, when you lay yourself down for one another, this is what being a friend looks like. Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume make a heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. He's, and, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The, the sweetness of a friend. That's, that's where the counsel comes for us in our lives. That's what I had to do that day. I had to like just step into the Lord for a moment and get that earnest counsel from him in his sweetness of his love for me and his sweetness and his love for you. That when you seek out counsel, that you seek it out with your earnest friend, which is Jesus, because it's sweet, his counsel. Um, yeah, I think his counsel is a lot sweeter than sometimes our counsel, counsel is with people, right? And that's something that's a work in progress. 
<laughs> I see that all over Facebook sometimes. <laughs> I'm just speaking truth here. F friends help to build you up, not tear you down. First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Has anybody ever seen competition in the church? <laughs> According to this, we should be outdoing one another and honoring one another. That's where it's at, showing honor. Even when honor isn't um, a, a thing that you feel somebody deserves, those are the moments that we have opportunity to express honor to one another and having honor in the house which brings us closer to him and friendship. Why? Because we're being like God. We're being like Jesus to one another. And, you know, the more unity we have, the more honor we have, it brings the presence of the Lord in here, and there's no grieving anymore to the Holy Spirit. First right. Peter 4, 8 through 10. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let me say this again. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Your gift, use it to serve one another. Isn't that powerful? The very gifts that you were given, it's not so you can have a name or a platform, people. It's not so uh, you can go on your Facebook Live and give, oh, God said this and God said that. It's like, yeah, uh, it's to serve the body of Christ with it. It's to honor the body of Christ with it. You know, <laughs> it's just crazy. I can get into some stuff, but I'll just stay away from all that. <laughs> <laughs> we are at a time right now of needing grace and mercy more than we've ever needed it before. Grace is God moving heaven and earth to save sinners who could not lift a finger to save themselves. Grace unmerited or understanding favor of God to those who are under condemnation. People don't need help with condemnation. They already feel bad when they're living bad. They already know. But grace comes in and does something for all of us, not just for the ones that are in church, let me tell you. It's the ones that are lost. It's the ones that are in a dark place. It's the ones that don't have their way yet. Guess what? Grace comes in for them too. And mercy comes in. I don't want to move ahead of myself because I'm really passionate about that in my heart right now. In Romans 3, through 24, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there's no difference between the Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He comes and redeems us. 
through grace, that he laid himself down for all of us at the cross, that we have access to that grace. Mercy is compassion. It's shown especially to an offender or to one subject of one's power. It's a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. We need his mercy. We need his, his grace right now. Luke 6, 36, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. We need this right now. And it's not even the people that are lost that need this the most. It's the believers that need it the most. Because sometimes we get to a state where we think that our crap doesn't stink anymore and we, we're holier than holy and we don't make mistakes anymore. And then we come with a judgment pointing finger when somebody screws up and makes a mistake. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but I have, I'm not that perfect. I don't think I'll ever be that perfect. I still need his grace and his mercy. And I still need to be under submission of heaven and under the submission of the hand of God. That I need him more than I've ever needed him before. And, um, and when you get to that point where you're pointing a finger at people, I'm just like, no, you don't do that. Because let me tell you, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a very deep thing about grace and mercy in a few minutes here. But I just want to finish my scripture so you can go back and read it for yourself uh, to go back to. But James 2, 3, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphants over judgment. Mercy triumphants over judgment. When you're in your desperate place of your life, mercy is the only thing that will show up at the door for you. It triumphants the judgment that we should all be under. We should all be judged at some point. But his grace and his mercy show up at the front door and they say, it's okay. It's okay because of what I did on the cross. My blood is sufficient. Every stripe, every beating I took is sufficient enough to cover, to cover you in your mistakes, to cover you and you slipping up and making a bad choice. It comes in and, and I'm telling you, there's a cup of mercy that God is trying to give us right now during this hour and we've got to come and drink from that cup and we got to keep drinking from that cup of grace and mercy because if we get to a point where we think we don't need grace and mercy anymore in our lives then you've totally missed everything of what God is trying to teach you and you growing up and maturing and you know I had a friend that said baby you got to put your big girl panties on and she would say that to us because a lot of the times we become like these immature believers in Christ and we think we don't need grace and mercy anymore that we've got it all together and look all pretty and God's like no 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 no, 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 no. I'm serving you a cup of grace and mercy. And you have a choice to drink from that grace and mercy. And if you don't keep drinking from it, then you forget where you were at. Then you'll forget where you came from. You forget the darkest places where you once were. You'll forget the mistakes you once made. You'll forget about all of that. And entitlement has to go out the door when grace and mercy show up because none of us are entitled to anything in the house of God. We are God grace and mercy that have come behind us to help us to move us into what he has for us nothing more than that Matthew 5 7 blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy 
Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may not obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Anybody in, been in time of need lately? I don't know about you, but I can't get enough of God. I always have to be in a time of need because the moment that I don't need something from God is the moment that I've lost everything that I thought that I gained. We're all in the need of God. Hebrews 4.16. This is a passions translation. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. It is such a beautiful thing to know that we can freely, boldly approach the, the love that is enthroned through mercy's kiss and discover the grace we've urgently needed to strengthen us in a time of weakness. James 4 said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We've got to begin to humble ourselves again. I'm telling you, I don't care what kind of gift you have. I don't care what kind of revelation of God himself came to you. You better understand that you need to humble yourself before the almighty one. Because there's no more more powerful than God. That's what happened to the devil. The devil thought that he had as much gifting and as much power as God did. And guess what happened to him? Some of us believers begin to sound and look like that on Facebook, thinking it's cute. And, uh, oh, I'm going to get some uh, new uh, uh, offerings. Oh, I'm going to get some new this and some new that. And God's like, oh, really? <laughs> Let me tell you something. God began to show me something during worship today. And he was talking to me about Exodus. And there was one day in this war I went through with, for my husband's health this past months here. And the Lord said, I need you to wake up. And I need you to pray. I was like half asleep. And he says, pray grace and mercy. Pray grace and mercy. And see, in our mindset, we're thinking, oh, people are doing things wrong if you have to ask for grace and mercy. There's something not right there. They're, they must have made a mistake somewhere. And God's like, no, this is what true grace and mercy is about. Let me tell you. In Exodus, the Lord comes to Moses. And he begins to tell Moses how he wants the Ark of the Covenant to look like. And um, he gives a description to Moses because Moses is the one that had face-to-face -face encounters. And it says in Exodus 25, 20, it starts off with the cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. They, their face, they face one another. And towards the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. Do you understand how powerful your testimony is? That it sits right above the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant. Then I will, there I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you. 
above all that I will give you and this commandment for the people of Israel. I believe in the spirit. This is where we're at right now. Because when I woke up and I began to say grace and mercy over my husband, I began to see this cherubim who used to follow our ministry, uh, this angel that would show up. And it was an angel of protection that would come. The cherubims, have you ever looked at the way that they're sitting on the, on the Ark of the Covenant? They're on their knees. And they're the lowest that you could possibly go. They're the serving ones. And as soon as um, you look at that Ark of the Covenant, their wings come to protect the covenant. And I hadn't seen this angel in a long time. And that morning, I saw that angel, that cherubim angel come. And I saw him at the foot of my bed. And he goes all the way down like this. And his wings come like this. And they began to cover my husband. And he said, he said, I'm protecting everything this season that I'm doing. I'm not going to leave it uncovered. And I began to see in the spirit where the wings began to cover our hub here. And I began to see in the spirit where the wings began to cover the outreach. And I began to see the cherubim come and cover. And um, he said, you know, grace and mercy are where your testimony sits on top of the mercy seat. And don't you forget what I've called you to be. And don't you forget your testimony of what you overcome. Because those things I put there for a reason. Those struggles you went through in your life were for a reason. It was to build you to who you are now. It's not for you to forget about it. But it's for you to extend grace and mercy to others that are in the same struggle that you once were in. And you cannot forget about that struggle, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you the darkest place you've ever been in. Don't forget about it. <laughs> because I'll tell you, we are on the hem of his garment right now. Everybody around the world has to hold on to the hem of his garment right now. You know, I'm going through this warfare and this battle. And I began to see one day, we took a drive, and I began to see the hand of the Lord. And I've seen the Lord's hands many times. And the Lord's hands this time were so different. I've seen his hands like this. I've, I've smelt his hands with just the smell of a carpenter, of the wood on his hands. And I have felt his hands were, you know, a working man's hands like a carpenter's hands feel. This time his hands were so different. And uh, we're driving and I saw his hands and it, it had a grip on something so, so tough, like so powerful and so tough, this grip the Lord had. And the Lord began to speak to me and he says, don't relinquish the very thing that I've given you. Don't let it go. Don't let it slip out of your hands. The very thing that I've given you, don't let it fade away. Don't let it die. Don't let that thing die. Because there's life in me. There's resurrection power in me. And I, I began to just call on the Lord and I say, God, you know what it reminded me of? The, the woman who had the issue of blood. And she grabbed onto the garment of Jesus. And she wouldn't let his garment go until she received her healing.
And then um, she uh, There's so much deeper things there. See, we have a covenant with the Lord right now that we can't forget about. There's an ark of the covenant that's inside of us, of promises he's given us. And when you remember those promises, you've got to hold on to those promises. And you hold on tight and you grab onto that thing and you say, God, I won't let it go. I won't let those promises go, God. I won't let the ministry go, God. I won't, I won't stop praying, God. I won't stop thanking you, God. I'll call on your grace and your mercy, God. When I'm in my darkest hour, God, that grace and mercy will come. That my testimony will sit on the mercy seat, God. And that's where the true power is. You know, when we look like nobody, when we look like nobody, and we're like in our darkest and our lowest hour of our life, it's the mercy God extends to us that gives us the very power that everybody's looking for with the power of God it's when God sat on the cross of mercy when God began to use him in a powerful way it's the mercy of God that we need right now and we can't do anything on our own power we can't do anything on our own on our own strength anymore God we call on your grace and your mercy this morning God God, we call on your grace and mercy, God. God, that we are nobody without you, God. That we need you, God. That our testimonies will sit on the mercy seat, God. God, we approach your throne this morning boldly and freely, God. Not because of some wonderful thing we've done, God. But because of your grace and your mercy, God, because of your grace and your mercy, God, that you keep pouring it out over us, God. <laughs> we just drink from your cup this morning, God. Oh, we drink from your cup this morning, God. <laughs> It's an overflowing cup, God, of mercy, God, because your mercies are new every single day, God. Every day your mercies are new, God. That's why you tell us that, God, to remind us of the power and the mercy, God. Oh, Jesus. We need you in our nation, God. We need you in Brian, God. God, we need you in every aspect of our life right now, Father God. We can't do it without you, Lord. You know, there's a shaking coming right now. But that shaking is to make us more look more like him. <laughs> oh, that we can't do anything without him. <laughs> oh. <sighs> the lower we go, <laughs> the, the more <laughs> the more he gets the glory. <laughs> God, we give you all glory this morning, God. We give you all glory this morning, God. I really believe that the Lord is going to allow us to have throne room encounters very soon here. If you could just let yourself get to that place of humbling yourself to pray, then He will heal our land, He will heal this nation.
He will heal everything that is not of him. He'll begin to come and heal the sickness that people are battling with. We just humble ourselves and pray in this hour. God, I pray, Lord, that you would extend grace and mercy over our nation, God. God, I pray you extend grace and mercy over our households, Lord. God, I pray you extend grace and mercy, God, over all of us, God. You would begin to remove entitlement upon us, God. We're here because you have us to be here, God. Oh, I pray, Lord, the fire come, God. Oh, Lord. God, we call on the cherubim angels right now, Lord. That they would come protect everything you're doing in this place, God. That they would come protect every household in this congregation, God. Even those that are watching, God. Even the outreach center, God. Those broken people, God, that come in that place, God. That your grace and your mercy begin to touch their hearts, God. Let transformation come, God. Transformation in our hearts. Transformation in our mind. Transformation in this town, God. We call on the angel transformer to begin to walk in this city, God. We call on the angel transformation to walk in this town again, God. To begin to transform man's heart again, God. You're the only one that can change man's heart, God. Nobody else can, God. And we ask that you transform man's heart right now, God. You begin to touch the heart of man. You begin to transform it, God. For our, our leaders in this place, God. For our leaders out there, God, in the town, God. For our leaders upon Ohio, God. For our leaders upon the United States of America, God. Oh, you don't forget, God. <laughs> oh, you a great price for all of us, God. 